hits all the time. We're busting ours. Kick yours. Fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. After a week off, welcome back into the Mass and All Access podcast from the Mass and Newsroom. Bobby Blanco here, now joined, of course, by Amy Jennings. Thank you so much for joining us. We are live on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page, YouTube channel, and on Twitter at Mass and Nationals. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Wednesday afternoon. Amy, took the week. I took the week off last week. You were able to go to the beach in season. I had to take the week off, the first week of the off season, to go to the beach. How was uh, it? Off- it was Actually, awesome. I love the beach in the offseason. I talk about the beach too much on this podcast, probably, but I love going so much. Um, it was not that crowded, which is good. Plenty of space. The one really nice day that we were actually on the beach, it was a little crowded, a little okay. concerning, but wasn't too too bad. Um, what beach did you go to? Bethany. Bethany Ooh, Beach in Delaware. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. My uh, cousins have a house down there. That's right. We were able to stay there, uh, socially distanced, and um, we're able to, I mean, I know there were some upticks in Delaware, mm-hmm. some of their cases, but we were felt pretty safe uh, being spaced out from everyone. It, it was just a good time. While we were all working, yeah. Bobby was <laughs> relaxing on the well, beach. I bring it up because, of course, you. I took that week off. Mm-hmm. I left, and I even brought my podcasting equipment in case we needed to do an emergency podcast or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I took that week off, assuming that there will be no news. You know, the first full week of, the, you know, let's just take a break. Mm-hmm. Let's just all kind of step away from baseball. And of course, like clockwork, uh, the Nationals have broke had some news to break, um, and which we'll be talking about today. Yeah, Bobby, you thought wrong, but it's always that's always how it works. The one week you take off, the one day you take off, there's news that's, news is going to break. That's just how baseball works every single time. Like, any, like I'm always scared to like go. F- I'm like go for a run or, or work out or or do gr- like I have to take my phone with me. I have to like pack my laptop in my backpack. You know, you all are just always concerned mm-hmm. uh, that something's going to happen. And, uh, you know, baseball is year round 24, seven, 365 has to be prepared. Um, I was prepared, but you know, it wasn't anything too, too serious, like a managerial firing or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Just some coaching decisions being made by David Martinez, which we'll get into. I'll even later talk to Byron Kerr of MassInSports.com, who was the one to break the news of Paul Menhart. He was the first one to be let, told uh, he would not be returning with the club just over a week ago. I think it was two Saturdays ago mm-hmm. uh, when that news broke late at night. Um, he was the one to break that news. So I'll catch up with him, get his reaction to Davey's decisions, um, and, and we'll get into them right now and then later on before we get to Byron. Also talk about Davey Martinez's time so far with the Nationals. You know, if you look at it a six-year period, um, halfway in halfway in yeah it's been three years he's just signed a three-year extension uh, the anniversary of him becoming the nationals manager will be saturday october 17th so that's coming up this week so we thought it'd be a good time to kind of recap and review uh dave martinez's time as the m- manager for the washington nationals but amy before we get to that let's get to these coaching decisions yep. david martinez informs three coaches so far that they will not be returning uh for the 2021 season you know, I don't, none of these really surprised me. I mean, you know, Davey signs this extension. 
um, what he's accomplished in three years, I think he's kind of earned the right to his own coaching staff. And I think that's kind of the precedent that, that this these coaching moves is setting. Um, he wants his own staff in there, and, and that's really how managers succeed. Um, and he's, he's certainly earned that right. So I'm not really overly surprised, um, especially – with, with the pitching coach move um, after the pitching woes that this team had this season. So none of it surprised me. What was kind of your reaction, Bobby? I was a little surprised, actually. Really? Um, just because I, I think it's one of those things where the more and more I think about it, the less I'm surprised. I think off – I think because maybe it was a Saturday night, like late Saturday night where the news broke that Paul Menhart mm-hmm. would not be coming back. So that was kind of like, whoa, that's – maybe it was the timing out of all that surprised me. It was really quick. Which is understandable. I mean, I think maybe if you look at it that way, Davey did these guys right instead of dragging them on for the month of October and then telling them on the 31st when their contract expires, hey, you're not being picked up. This Mm -hmm. gives them the full month to go out and kind of shop for a new job. So if you look at it that way, Davey Martinez kind of did the right thing. I was just surprised, you know, this just because this staff has been together for most of Davey's tenure here. He gets his extension you would think that he would want to bring along some of these guys with him. But then you think deeper into it and you realize or just kind of remember, oh, yeah, these aren't Davey's guys. Not too many of these coaches uh, were brought in by Davey Martinez himself. A lot of them are holdovers from previous regimes. So when you think about it that way, it makes sense. And then you think about even deeper, you think about the extension that Davey got. He's now, of course, tied with Mike Rizzo for three more years. Um, He's going to be the longest tenured Nationals manager DC's ever seen uh, since 2005. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something like it's he's getting more comfortable a as a manager and B with the power that comes with that position. You know, he wants to put his foot down or or make his imprint on this organization with his own people um, and bring in guys that he knows and trusts to fill in these roles. No offense to the guys that he let go. They just weren't people that he hired uh, to help him. And I think we'll get into this more as we talk about Davey Martinez and his three years as the manager of this team. But, you know, there's still, I mean, there's still guys who don't know the fate of Tim Bogar or Bobby Henley yet. So maybe those are guys that he is going to bring around, bring along with him. He's not saying that, you know, I'm 100% wiping out all the coaching staff is here, coaching staff that is here. But, these aren't his guys. It was a combination of guys that were left over from Dusty and a combination of Rizzo's hires. So, you know, they're kind of, you know, giving him some power. And we'll talk about how, you know, through his three years, he's really stepped up and became a manager. When he first started, he had those, you know, little mistakes and he wasn't super confident about himself. He wasn't super confident when he went out for this job in 2013. But through these three years, and we'll talk about that when we talk about his career here, um, how he's really come into himself. And I think, hiring his own coaching staff and getting guys along with him that he wants there to have the same philosophy as him is really important. Um, and I think that that's exactly what we're seeing here. I think they're saying, you know, this is your team now. We're, you ha- we, we have you for three more years. Go for it. Yeah, I, I want to – I mean, I don't mean to draw parallels to a completely different sport, but, like, I draw a comparison to what we're seeing with the football team in D.C. Ron Rivera came in, and he was basically handed the entire team and it's like, you do whatever you want by the owner. Um, now, well, that's obviously shaking on differently, but you know, this is Mike Rizzo telling Davey Martinez, you're in charge. Like, you're full control of whatever you want to do in terms of the coaching staff, and you and I have worked well together for the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. We can work out the roster together. Um, so, I, I think this is Davey Martinez getting more comfortable with the position and taking on a bigger role and becoming more of a manager, and not just 
you know, the in-game manager, but a manager of the entire organization, top to bottom. Um, did you want to get into the couple of guys was, real quick? Yeah, 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 no, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think it'll be interesting to see who he brings in. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Zuckerman talked about it yesterday. It'll probably be people that he, he knows well. Um, and he threw out a couple names. So if you look back at the Mass and All Access show yesterday that Paul Mancano did, mm-hmm. he, he throws out some a couple ideas that he might have. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see who he brings in. Um, but, yeah, let's get into these these guys and their career. So I guess let's start with Paul Menhart. Yep. 15 years with the Nationals. I think that's one of the ones that are it's tougher to swallow because you see a guy, and, you know, if you read his quotes in, in Byron Kerr's blog on MassSports.com, it is kind of like tear-jerking. You know, he's, he was really caught off guard by this, did not see it coming. Again, 15 years with the Nationals. He was promoted to the, uh, the uh, pitching coach back on May 1st in 2019 when they let Derek Lilliquist go after the uh, rough start to the 2019 season. Of course, to help, turn, to help the staff turn around and end up winning a world championship. Um, he, throughout most of his career, he was mostly a minor league pitching coach, uh, and he was the minor league pitching coordinator before becoming the pitching coach in 2019. Um, and he had influenced – the crazy thing is he influenced so many pitchers that came up through this this farm system, and most notably Steven Strasburg. And we mm-hmm. saw how he worked with Steven Strasburg late in the season last year, throughout the postseason, throughout the World Series, making small changes, uh, especially when um, there was concern that he might have a tell with which pitches are coming and the Astros were picking up on in the World right. Series. So this is just a guy, it's just the, the long year that he's been, I mean, 15 years. Yes, he was in the minor league system more often than not, but you know, he withstanded the regimes, regimes of Dusty Baker, Matt Williams, Davey Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, he has been here almost as long as the Nationals have been in D.C. If you think about like, going back to uh, was it 20, you know, minus 15, 20, 20 right. 25. So uh, t- 2005, excuse me. So it was, um, yeah, I think it just the long, how long Paul Minner had been here was one that really was kind of kind of shocking. He's like, this guy has been here for so long and now he's gone yeah i will say it's easy to look at this season look at the team era and where they sit in comparison to the rest of the league and say oh this makes sense but then you look back at at minhart's career in in dc and uh, you know it's kind of a little bit less justified if you will um he was such a big part and he coached i think or he was a coach in every uh minor league team except for um what, what short season so, you know, he's come up He's come up with a lot of these pitchers, and specifically Strasburg. I mean, he was a huge part of developing him in this organization and it, their relationship. So it shows, you talked about Game 6 of the World Series, you know. I think that conversation went something like, um, you're tipping your pitches against Steven, you need to shake your glove. And he said, oh, I think I always look stupid when I do that. And he said, well, you have two choices. You get your butt handed to you or you make the adjustment. <laughs> Steven walked say, okay, I know what I'm doing. And, you know, they go on to win the World Series. So when you have a, a, a strong relationship and bringing these guys up and developing them that you have that that relationship at the big league level um, and you kind of saw that transfer now we talk about him developing guys it's kind of a, a different story at the big league level mm-hmm. when your rotation is made up of you know Strasburg Corbin um, Scherzer you're not developing guys as much as you are you know helping with managerial decisions helping with decisions in the bullpen um, those guys are going to do what do what they do um, you're just helping with the rest of it and maybe you know his his time here shows that he is better developing these guys better at the minor league level than he is at the big league level because it's a completely different game um, you know they talked about when they fired Lilliquest that it was you know they wanted a different face to deliver uh, the message in a different way but you know 
even though the players kind of felt guilty because they felt like that was his his fault, their yeah. fault. Even though they liked Menhart, you know, they kind of felt like it was their fault that he was fired. Do you think it's kind of the same thing here? Or it's like, you know, that this was kind of coming either way after this uh, season? That's a great, that's a great question. I, I think it might – I think, it, you know, with someone who's been around for so long – you can't help but feel sorry or be a little sad when he when he goes, especially when you got a guy like Strasburg. You know, Max and Corbin are guys that came in halfway through their careers. You know, they didn't start here and build their way up. Strasburg has known Menhart as long as he's been a national, which has been a long time now. So that's probably a sense of or you feel sad letting go. But then you look at the numbers, Amy, the nationals this year. And again, shortened season. We all talked about how much we don't really take stock in pitching starting pitching stats this year because there's not right, too right, many right. starts, but a 509 staff ERA, that's pitchers and relievers. That was 13th in the National League, 26th in the majors. Uh, their 1517 uh, whip was last in the National League and second to last in all of baseball. Uh, they gave up a National League high, t- 94 home runs, and wait, that was also second to last in baseball. And then their starters, a 5.38 ERA, which is 27th out of 30 teams. So the numbers weren't there to back them up. And, and these are guys that, now, yes, you don't have Strasburg for a majority of the year. He made two really short starts and then was done for the season. Max Scherzer wasn't his normal self this year. Patrick Corbin, was, all this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, you could take it for granted what it, what it is, but at the same time, they, they should be better. And this is a team that relies on starting pitching. You know, Mike Rizzo and Dave Martinez looking at their workhorses like this and having bad years, it kind of comes with the territory. Someone has to take that blame. Right. And, it's and you know, you're not going to – you can't just blame the pitch. I mean, these players have contracts and stuff like that. They have to stay – you know, you have to work with what you have. Someone has to take the blame for that. I think it was kind of – I don't want to say easy call because I think Dave Martinez likes all these guys per, on a personal level. Oh, for sure. We don't know for sure like how they work behind the scenes, um, but on the on the surface it looks like they work well together. But I think you know it comes with the territory. You're going to be a major league pitching coach if your staff, which is supposed to be one of the best in baseball, ranks near the bottom in almost every major statistical category. And we didn't see great progression from Austin Voth or Eric Fetty this year. Someone has to take the blame for that. And that would have been Paul Menhart. And you, you look back at last year when he took over, he kind of, you know, they were 19 and 31. He took over at the beginning of May. Um, and, and he kind of guided this train back on track. But even then their bullpen finished with the highest regular season ERA for any playoff team ever. Mm. That's obviously not 100% him, the bullpen, but you know, you kind of look back at that too. And it's not just a reflection of the numbers this season, which clearly weren't great but it's last season too in in his entire career the entire chance that he's had Mm -hmm. so you know if you if you think about it the more you think about it the more it makes sense but anytime you see these guys go it's sad it's sad to see um another one is chip hale and this is a guy who stopped excuse me uh stepped up big time in 2019 you think about late in the season david martinez had some health issues with his heart had to miss a couple of road trips uh, and Chip Hill was the bench coach and stepped up and became the manager for, during his absence. We know that Chip Hill was very helpful throughout the postseason run in terms of decision-making with Davey Martinez. But here's a guy, he, he was a Mike Rizzo hire from a handful of years ago, I think when Dusty Baker took over, um, and, and had no real ties to Davey Martinez. He was a former manager with Diamondbacks, a good voice to have. But to me, Amy, the writing was on the wall when this past offseason, Dave Martinez moved him from bench coach to third base mm-hmm. coach. And at the time, we were all kind of like, hmm, that's interesting. That's weird. I don't know why you would do that. And I think Dave even speaking about it kind of brushed it off maybe, just being like, oh, I just want to ch- change things up, see how other coaches fit in other places. That should have been the the red alert right there. Uh-huh. Be like, you know what? These aren't Davey's guys. 
you know, let's see how the season shakes out and maybe expect some some changes in, in, in the coaching staff this offseason. Uh, not that Chip Hill doesn't have a great uh, resume or, or worthy of being a bench coach or coach somewhere, but, again, he just wasn't Davey's guy. He kind of got the boot in favor of Tim Bogart to, and, and, and bench coach, and that one was a little – that one becomes the least surprising to me mm-hmm. the more you think about it. And, you, yeah, you kind of look at the way Tim Bogars progressed. Yeah. Maybe this is going to be Davies' guy. He's yeah. kind of be turned to his right-hand guy. But, you know, I think Chip Hale was the right guy at the right time. Um, a Rizzo hire, and he was there. You know, Davey was a first-time manager. He had obviously had the experience in Arizona. You know, he's a guy there to help him make those decisions. Um, and he was the right guy at the right time. But now Davies won himself a World Series. He's been there for three years, just got a, a three-year extension. Um, and he, his role is, is kind of done. And you, you exactly when you saw him make that move, uh, you could kind of see the writing on the wall. And so this is, I would say, probably the least surprising move if yeah. you look back at what we should have seen through. And I know there's only 30 30- big league managers, there's only 30 of these guys that are the best of what they do. Uh, but it's got to be tough, no matter who it is, to know that there is a previous manager looming behind you as mm-hmm. the bench coach. You know, Even though David just got his security and he's got three more years, you know, if he's not your guy, you don't want some guy that has big league co- managing experience sitting behind you because if you falter, it's almost too easy for someone to be like, oh, well, we'll just go with Chappelle instead. And it almost kind of goes both ways because you, you want to have that kind of guy there yeah. for support and to turn to when you need it. But also, you know, Davies Marti- Davey Martinez's issue in 2013 when he first interviewed for this job was that, you know, all he, he talked about Madden, Madden, we, we, you know, he wasn't confident in himself. And maybe it, it could even hinder him a little bit having a guy like that with a managerial experience right behind you all the time um, to either fall on or in your ear and knowing that, you know, they can go with him at any time. So lastly, but certainly not the least significant is Kevin Long, the hitting coach, uh, who, of course, was well known uh, for embracing the launch angle philosophy in term- and hitting. Um, you think back to 2015 and 16, or 16 and 17 uh, with his work with Daniel Murphy uh, previously in New York. And then when they came over here and, and they introduced that philosophy, turned Daniel Murphy into one of the best overall all-around hitters in all of baseball. He was applauded with his work with Juan Soto at such a young age in terms of how he approaches major league pitching and became now he's one of the best uh, players in all of baseball. He's the Hank Aaron Award nominee, uh, one of the one of the seven in the National League that was announced today. So, uh, you know, Kevin Long is another guy that has a long track record, no pun intended, but again, not Davies guy. And then you also look at the numbers from the offense this season they didn't add up to what should have been. Now, you can also say, well, there's no Anthony Rendon. Ryan Zimmerman opted out. Uh, Sarlon Castro got hurt. Howie Kendrick was hurt for most of the season. They missed a lot of their big bats that they were going to be leaning on from previous years. But still, you gotta you have Trey Turner have a, a, a career year. You have Juan Soto be a possible MVP year. This offense should have produced better than it did, and that, again, falls on Kevin Long. Yeah, they fell to sixth in the National League and runs scored, tenth in homers and seventh in OPS this season. So I think it's a combination between that and then Davey wanting his guys in there. You know, Davey, they have, Mark Zuckerman talked about this yesterday, they have opposite philosophies kind of, you know. He's all about launch angle. Davey's all about situational hitting and hitting it up the middle and making solid contact. Um so I, th- I think it's a combination of both how the numbers fell this season. Yeah, they lost guys, but there's no excuse when you have Trey Turner in your lineup, Juan Soto in your lineup. Um, I think it's just conflicting philosophies and Davey wanting his guys in there. And then you also look around the other parts of the lineup. 
you know, the Nationals were expecting a big year out of Carter Keebum. They really need to figure out what he is. He improved defensively a lot, but offensively was more of the same. Uh, you looked at Victor Robles had a really bad year at offensively. His defense was, again, spectacular, but we've seen in the past he's shown flashes that he has the potential to be an all-around hitter and took probably a step or two backwards this year as opposed to taking a step forward or at least standing pat. So uh, some areas where they were looking for improvements offensively that didn't happen and maybe even some regressions, and that, of course, falls on the hitting coach, Kevin Long. Uh, so that's three positions that Dave Martinez is going to have to fill over the coming weeks or months or over this offseason. I, I think it's too early to, to start pointing out names. You know, it's it's hard to look around. I don't think either of us, I'll be the first to say, I'm not that plugged no. into Major League Baseball uh, coaching uh, as a, aside from the manager. So it would be hard to pluck just certain names right now uh, to keep an eye on. But, you know, I think you just got to look at the big players. It's usually when you're a good team, you're – assistant coaches get looked at and, and and you look at the Rays who their pitching staff has been phenomenal over the past couple of years. They have a great way of attacking both as starters and from their bullpen. Uh, the offense is very opportunistic as we've seen in, in the, in the postseason this year. So maybe that's a, a coaching staff that could be plucked at. And again, it's not again, but also keep in mind that Davey Martinez isn't going to be the only one shopping for coaches. You know, there are going to be managerial changes. There are going to be coaching changes throughout the league uh, he's going to have to be the highest bidder or, or get in line and wait for some of these guys, for their not only for their seasons to end, but also for the opportunity to interview them and talk to them uh, while other teams will also be looking at some guys. So something interesting to keep a track on, three major coaching positions that need to be filled this offseason. But let's change our focus to the head guy, Davey Martinez. Like I said, his three anniversary of becoming the Nationals manager is upcoming uh, just three days from now from the recording of this podcast. Um it's been three years. We know we've got three years to go, so we're kind of at the halfway point. Amy, how would you kind of assess the first half, let's call it, of Davey Martinez's tenure as a Nationals manager? Um, well, I mean, he got a World Series in his first three years, so it's, you kind of have to give him, you know, a longer leash now, you know. Um, he's done something that no other manager has been able to do with the Nationals before, which is great. Um, the next three years will be really, really telling if they can continue to compete, continue to make the playoffs like they couldn't this year, will be really telling about his entire career there. But, you know, it, it, his first year, hard to tell. He's a first-time manager, um, had a winning record. Um, he's getting his feet wet, kind of hard to tell. Then the next year, his first true test, you know, they win a World Series. Can't do better than that. Um, this year, obviously, a tough year. I rated him a C, graded him a C plus this year, so I yeah. don't think that I was a little bit tougher on him than you were. I don't think he did an outstanding job this year, just because you look at what other teams did with, you know, you you. I keep turning to Miami, what they were able to do. Um, but you do look at the look at the injuries, all they had this season with a weird season like this. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, so he has a longer leash now that he won a World Series. I think the next three years will be very telling. But what what have you seen so far? You know, it's you mentioned our our grading of David Martinez from the very end of the season, uh, beginning of the uh, uh, off season, and it was we we talked about how doing this grading you have to focus on just this season alone. You can't let 2019 influence this season. Mm -hmm. Now we're doing the complete opposite. Now we have to take the whole thing as a whole, and I think. Obviously, 2019 notwithstanding, it's been a lot of ups and a lot of downs. You know, it's been kind of inconsistent almost. 2019, you win the World Series. Obviously, that's the main goal. That's phenomenal. I think it was more important looking back at 2019 that they rebounded from 19 and 31. 
that they got over the hump in terms of winning a postseason series. You know, going into last postseason, that's all I would want as a fan. That's all I was looking forward to as a reporter was, can they actually win a series? Not just a wildcard game, but a five-game series, get out of the first round and get into the NLCS. And they did that. And, and you know, there are there are literally books been written, articles been written, how the 2019 national team was just different. They had the perfect mixture of guys, but it also takes the perfect guy to manage all that. And I think Dave Martinez was that. It was everything coming together for that magical run. But then you look at 2018, 2020 is also obviously a little different. You know, there are pluses and minuses on both sides. 2018, yeah, 82 and 80, you have a winning record, but first time as a manager, not great, but that team was so loaded. Also, Bryce Harper's last season in D.C. probably should have finished better. We saw Dusty Baker coming. Now, he wasn't a first-time manager, but he came in and won two division titles in, in two years without having knowing anybody on this team. Um, Matt Williams was manager of the year and won a division title in his first season and his first time as being a big league manager uh, back in 2014. So, you know, it, there was a precedent for winning here, and you look at his first season, it didn't go as planned. Obviously, that's a tick down. 2020, and I, I like you said, I graded him higher than you did, but in such a weird season, I think he did everything he possibly could have to put the team in a winning position. And now we're seeing repercussions of guys not performing. You know, we're seeing mm -hmm. hitting coaches and, and bad and hit and pitching coaches uh, losing their jobs. So I think it's been a lot of good, a lot of bad. Um, and, you know, obviously with the good being the pinnacle of the World Series, the bad being just above 500, which isn't terrible. You would take that as opposed to the complete opposite. It's just been a lot. It's been real inconsistent, I think. And it's hard to judge, especially when there's a huge spike in the middle in 2019. You know, I think, I think what's most important to point out is is the adjustments and you know turning that 2019 season around from 19 and 31 to winning those World Series. After 2018, you know, he went into spring training and said, "We're going to do all the little things right." Because in 2018, it was so much of their defense that just hurt them um, throughout the entire season. And then you know, going into the next season, going into um, spring training, we're going to do all the little things right. Uh, he kind of, they got that Harper taste out of their mouths mm -hmm. after they got through all of that. Um, and he made those adjustments. And I think that's really important. And we've seen him come into his own and really step up to the plate. And he did that in 2019. It's not every manager could take a team from 19 and 31 sitting so, so low and, you know, bring them back and win a World Series. And I think that's just, I mean, it's his presence on the field and making those important decisions, but also it's his presence off the field. I mean, he has such a great relationship with this entire team and it's his presence in the clubhouse. You know, we're going to go 1-0 and every day. That was his motto. Um, and I think that that's really important and a really important part of being a manager. Davey Coretti on our Mass Nationals Facebook page saying, Davey for president. I don't, <laughs> I don't know too many people in D.C. who wouldn't like to see that name on a ticket and then also getting some good shout-outs on our Facebook page, or excuse me, YouTube channel. So thanks to everyone who's tuning in live to the podcast um, on throughout our course of our channels. Uh, yeah, I think it was well said. And, and also, it's just, I, I'm, you know, it's hard. Like, <laughs> I just said, like, you know, when we were judging this year, you could not look back and compare it to 2019. Mm -hmm. now, and I think it's also the same when you're, you're judging David Martinez. You can't look back and compare him to Dusty Baker, to Matt Williams, to Davey Johnson. That's not fair because, you know, different sets of circumstances. I think it's just it was harder for Davey in the sense that it was his first time managing and the expectations were so high coming into this. You know, it was a team that had, was it four postseason 
exits before the NLCS, and it was just something they need to get over the hump. And then you think about like 2018, they're going to get over the hump with the Camels and everything, and then 82 <laughs> and 80. So you know, it's 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 tough to like judge him as a whole when the expectations in this town for were so high. And then you looked at he, the fact that he met them in year two in this miracle run, but then he's also had two outliers without making the postseason. It's just, again, I just think it's inconsistent so far. You know, it was easy to judge Dusty Baker. He made, he won two uh, divisions. He made the playoffs. He was a the, sh- the strangest fifth inning ever seen in postseason <laughs> baseball away from getting the team over the hump mm-hmm. and, and beating the Dodgers in 2017. Uh, and, and we all thought Dusty would be the guy to get him over the hump, and and, and here we are. So, an eighty-two and eighty season, uh, of uh, you know, a, a tied for last place finish in the division twenty twenty season, surrounded by a World Series title. That's just, I mean, that's a hump in of itself. You know, don't mean to be too uh, hyperbolic, but you know, it's again, it's just the curve is is too big in my mind to make a fair judgment. Let's see if he can flatten it a little bit and become more of a consistent, have his team in the playoffs year after year after year. I just said, you know, I just said in six years it'll be easier to judge and Mm -hmm. it'll be more telling. But, you know, you think about it, the bar has been set so high for himself. I mean, winning a World Series in his second year as a manager, now he set the bar high for himself. So now if they don't compete, I mean, obviously, if they don't get back to the World Series, it's not going to be the biggest disappointment he's not going to be a terrible manager but they have to compete over his next three years so he set the bar so high it's going to be kind of difficult to match that so maybe three years from now we're going to be like well you may be just as inconsistent um i guess it'll just depend on if they can compete but in the first three years i think what has been i mean davy's just so likable yeah you know you you try to 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 grade him but he's just a likable guy and how far he has come you know he had once he was finished playing he had no expectations of getting into managing coaching broadcasting any of that you know he walked away from the game and said this is it I want to watch my kids grow up well he had met Joe Madden at an instruct at instructional league and kind of kept in contact with him Madden knew that he uh lived close to the Rays training camp and he said well hey why don't you come down be a guest instructor at spring training well then he came back the next year and then um I think they were headed up north into spring training and his bag was packed and he was like what's going on here and they're like oh you're the new first base coach and um he was like what Davey no like I want to go home I'm done with this and they were like no the first base coach is injured we need you to step in and that was kind of his first taste and he's been coaching and now look at him managing and he had no intentions of doing that so it's been fun to see him you know rely on Joe Madden in his first interview in 2013 to getting the job getting the job over Kevin Long who they Mm -hmm. hired as his hitting coach hired him under Davey and what he's done in his first three years, I think that's really telling. And he's just such a likable guy, yeah. you know? Yeah, he is. And, and that, that's the hard part, too, is, like, we're not judging the guy on the personality or the likability. We're right. judging on the results. And, right. and, and like I said, the results haven't they've been, been inconsistent. inconsistent. Yeah, I mean, they've been there. He won a World Series. That's what he, uh, 201 wins, 183 losses in his career. That's good for a 523 winning percentage. And he's also 12-5 and five in the postseason in 2019, 706. Uh, and, and did something again to me. It was more so the comeback, nineteen thirty-one, and then also getting actually getting over the not just winning the World Series, but winning that first division. No one else could do that with this roster. Uh, the good mesh of of veteran players with with young with a young core. Um, I, I think that is more telling than some of these record numbers. But you know, we'll see. And and also, you throw in this pandemic season. Like how you know we've 
it's not just Dave Martinez. We talk about we can't judge really anybody on this season. So we're look for hopefully a more normal 2021 and see how that season plays out and maybe have a better idea of how to look at Dave Martinez as a manager. And it's, it's hard because this season with all of the injuries, it's like, you know, he can set them up for success, but it's the players who have to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad always says he's a head baseball coach at a Juco. And he always says, you know, you guys will walk out of here with your stats, but I carry your wins and losses with me forever. You know, um, and it's the same thing for these managers. You know, these wins and losses fall on them. Yeah. It's them, but it's, the players that go out there and play every day, and even if he sets them up for success, that doesn't mean they're always gonna. It's gonna pan out the way he wants it to. Yeah. Well, I do think that uh, you know, when bad times hit and, and everything's going wrong, you know, the manager's the first one to take the blame. I think we also need to give him the rightful praise for when things go right. Uh, of course, 2019 being that season where everything's went right, and and he, he he's gotten it, and I, I think that's fair, and I think his contract extension reflects that, and that Davey and uh, excuse me, Mike Rizzo. Uh, believes in him and and is wanting to go through these next three years with him together. Um, and it's amazing that this team hasn't gone through like a rebuild. You know, you know, we talk about how they're not meeting expectations. It would be very easy just to say knock it all down and let's build from the top. They've managed to stay somewhat competitive this past year, standing. But um, you know, it's amazing that they've been able to be one of the most competitive teams in the National League since 2012. Uh, and always in the mix. So that's, that's something to be said, too. And Davey's hoping to carry on that through the next three years. Um, we'll be getting on to that topic a little bit later this offseason, too, how mm-hmm. the Nationals have been able to avoid rebuilding um, and keep uh, staying competitive throughout this uh, this run, I guess, the Mike Rizzo tenure, the Mike Rizzo era, we should call it now, uh, and how they can move forward while also staying competitive. You know, they were just awarded the number 11 overall pick, uh, for the 2021 draft due to uh, the reverse standings order. Uh, so that would be interesting. That's a huge draft. That's the highest they've picked since I think they picked Anthony Rendon. Have a check with Byron Kerr uh, about that uh, coming up. Speaking of Byron, he, uh, he's going to join us in a hot second. But well, before we get out of here, I want to give thanks to Paul Mancano for all his work behind the scenes. Of course, follow Amy on Twitter at Amy Jennings News. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Give Masson Nationals a follow across the board on all social media channels, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, I think that's, that doesn't Twitter, mean Facebook, yeah. Instagram, yeah. Yeah, we don't do Snapchat <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, the Mass on All Access podcast on all your favorite platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Subscribe, like, spread the word. We really appreciate everyone you tuning in, enjoying, and commenting along on these live shows. For Amy, I'm Bobby. Let's now chat with Byron Curry and get his thoughts on the Nats managerial situation, uh, the coaching changes, and, of course, that 11th pick coming up next year. Back on the Masson All Access podcast with the good friend of the program, Byron Kerr, of course, our MassonSports.com Nationals beat writer. Byron, it's good to see you. Our first appearance on the off season. How have you been spending these first couple of weeks uh, without any Nationals baseball to cover? <laughs> yeah, watching a lot of baseball uh, on TV. Also, I'm now one of the Little League coaches for Brody, my son, who's playing in Majors Little League uh, here in the local area. So I had to pretend like I know what I'm doing, but after you watch what 11, 12 years of, of major league baseball from the press box, talk to coaches, talk to players, you actually know more than you think you do. So that really helped me with, with the kids. And uh, it's a great bunch of kids. It's a lot of fun to coach them and uh, something good for me to do to kind of give back. And also, you know, watch, watch my son play. He's a left-handed pitcher. He plays shortstop. He plays first base. And I make sure when he's pitching, Bobby, not to bother him. I'll let the other coaches coach him up uh, throwing. And, 
you know, I'll coach the other nine guys. So it's a lot of fun. Okay. Now that just threw off my whole interview because now I have so many questions about you coaching your son's team. Left-handed pitcher. First off is Brody, like just stud sliders, he Patrick Corbin style or is he high heat? What are we doing here? And, yeah, and are you, are you actually the, the coaches love it, Bobby, because he's got <laughs> some movement on his, on his pitch. I mean, I think he probably just has a fastball grip, but um, it slides away from uh, right-handed hitters and uh, it has a nice little movement, catches the corners a lot. So the problem is, is just, you know, just like when I talk to my prospects all the time, it's about command. Normally the first couple batters, he has a little bit of trouble throwing strikes, but then he gets in this zone and the last game Saturday, he walked the first two guys, the coach, the, the third base coach, who's also the pitching coach goes out and talks to him and you can see him wiping away the tears a little bit. And then he just got focused and, and got into it and, and got the, what the next two innings made the final out of the sixth inning. They only played six innings. So he, literally saved the game and they won 12 to 11. So it was really fun to watch him, you know, from my coaching box, if you will, we're all, we're all spread around. No players are allowed in the dugout. They all have to sit six feet apart in the stands when they're not batting. And obviously when they're on the field, we all have to wear masks during it all, but uh, it's a lot of fun to at least play some baseball and to see him, see him do well as a Southpaw. Uh, that's, that's so exciting. That's awesome. We've got to give Mike Rizzo a, a call and keep him on the radar. 2025 draft, first round out of UVA. Uh, your son, left-handed starting <laughs> pitcher. Uh, we know Mike Rizzo likes to draft his starting pitcher. We'll actually talk about the draft a little bit later um, in this interview because, of course, the draft order just came out. But, uh, Byron, first got to talk about the news that was over the past week. Uh, the podcast took a break over the last week, so we haven't really discussed uh, the news that w- went down. Um, and, of course, that's the major changings to Davey, changes to Davey Martinez's coaching staff. I think this came as a surprise to some people, uh, Byron, uh, that he let so many familiar faces go this offseason as the Nationals turn their focus to 2021. What did you make of the coaching changes? And, and uh, like, is it were you surprised or caught off guard by it um, that Davey Martinez made such drastic changes early on this offseason? Yeah, definitely surprised by the first one with Paul Menhart, the pitching coach who's been with the organization for 15 seasons and obviously was helpful, very instrumental in turning things around in 2019 after the bullpen struggled at the beginning. He deciphered that Steven Strasburg's pitches were being, uh, you know, t- told and there was a tell in his pitches against the Astros and the Diamondbacks back in August. And it looked like he had a great rapport uh, with, with the pitchers and uh, they really responded to him. So that was really surprising. But then when you see Kevin Long, an outstanding hitting coach, uh, not get his contract renewed, and then you see, you know, Chip Hale uh, also not get renewed, you know, you could, I could almost look into those negotiations with Mike Rizzo and the Lerner family where Davey Martinez said, yeah, if I'm going to sign a three-year deal to stay here, I want the authority to hire my own coaching staff. And with the way things went in 2020, 26 and 34, very disappointing after winning the World Series in 2019, that seems to me, Bobby, what you know was part of the negotiations for Davies that, hey, I want my own coaching staff. And now he gets that shot to be able to do it. Haven't been able to reach out uh, and get a response yet from Bobby Henley, whether he's returning, Tim Bogar. It, it seems like Henry Blanco will stay because he was already Davy guy. So It'll be interesting, but yeah, big shock, you know, to see this happen after uh, 2019 because it seemed like there was a nice rhythm rhythm with the coaching staff. It seemed like the hitters were responding to Kevin Long. It seemed like the the pitchers were responding 
to Paul Menhart. So it'll be interesting to see some of the decisions that are made in the next few weeks or so to round out his coaching staff. Yeah, and what does that say for in Davy? Put yourself in Davy's shoes. I mean, I understand wanting your own coaches in, in the room with you, um, but you, the first three years you have, for the most part, the same staff. You, obviously, they made the change in mid nineteen in the pitching coach uh, in twenty nineteen. Right. But you know, now that he has that insurance that he with three years left, um, now he's tied with Mike Rizzo, of course, after signing the extension. Uh, what does that say? Because, you know, they won a World Series just a year ago. Don't forget that. Uh, but what does that say that Dave Martinez wants his own guys in there and that he's taking full control over this coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, it says to me that he's a lot more comfortable with uh, the manager's uniform on than maybe when he first started. He was excited just to get the job, you would imagine, in that first year. And they surrounded him with guys that had a lot of experience you know, to kind of help him along in that rookie managerial, if you will, a feeling. But now that he's gotten his feet wet and he's had seen things not go well, and then he's thinking, you know, he's had two playoff appearances. He's seen the best of both worlds, if you will, uh, for the Nationals. So I think he knows what he likes and what he doesn't like. And, you know, he wants to be able to make his own mark as far as those coaches. And, and we don't know, Bobby, you know, what the inner relationships were with these coaches and Davey on day to day. It seemed like that everything was great. And Davey's so good at communication that if there was an issue, it seems like it was a kind of staff that would figure it out. But, you know, I just don't think there was anything that was not going well between the relationship between the coaches and Davey. And it didn't seem like anything was going wrong really with, with the hitters and the pitchers, but this season was a struggle a lot of times on offense and a lot more on, on the pitching staff. And I think Davey, you know, sat down and said, Hey, you know, if I'm going to go forward for this length of time, I want to be able to have my own coaching staff. And whether it's guys that he knew from the Cubs or the Rays or, or somewhere else, you know, it's his opportunity to put a major stamp and, you know, not just go down with the adage that, Oh, someone else did all the work for me. Obviously Davey's the manager. He makes the decisions and the buck stops with with him. And I think that's what signals here is that this is going to be a signature Davy team next year with his coaching staff and the players around them trying to respond to that new coaching staff and see what they can do. Yeah, and, and I know it's early on in this process, and of course you were the one to break the Paul Menhart news a little over a week ago that he would not be returning. But uh, And there's still baseball being played. You know, We're in the middle of the NLCS and ALCS right, right now, and the World Series still to come. But is there anyone on your radar – uh, that you, maybe Nationals fans should be looking, maybe if the team's still remaining in the postseason, because you know how teams like to pick off the successful teams. You know, you pick a hitting coordinator or maybe a pitching coordinator from there and make them uh, your coaches uh, on a major league staff, give them their first opportunity. Is there any names that maybe Nationals fans should keep an eye on, maybe not just in the teams that are remaining left in the postseason, but on all of baseball uh, to fill these roles for 2021? That's a great question. You would think that a lot of the Chicago Cubs guys that he worked with in the past would be guys that he would consider for these positions now. And especially a guy like Jim Hickey, as Mark Zuckerman had talked about this week, a possibility as the pitching coach. But because of the Tampa Bay Rays success, you know, you would think a lot of people, if they go to the World Series and they're only one game away from doing that, and then maybe even win the World Series, Bobby, there's going to be a lot of people coming down looking at the Tampa Bay Rays coaching staff. And there's a couple guys, Greg Brown and Dan DeMent, both are hitting coordinators 
with the Rays. It could be possibilities for the Nationals as well. But, you know, Davey won't be the only person in line to talk to Tampa Rays, Tampa Bay Rays coaching staff uh, possibilities. So he might have to go a little bit deeper in that. But it seems like he would like guys that have major league experience. And so that's something that I'm sure he's looking for from around the league to try to try to put on this staff with the Nationals. But it just seems to me that it would be guys that he trusts, that he's maybe worked with in the past, and that he has a lot of confidence in going forward. That can help with uh, the hitters and the pitchers for this team. And, you know, you're going to have to figure out uh, what to do with Tim Bogar. It seems like they have a great relationship in that he has a good chance, along with Henry Blanco, to stay. But it just depends on what his responsibility will be. You know, when we were finishing up our uh, exit interviews, if you will, with him, Tim Bogar was a name that he mentioned that he was going to sit down with and talk about the offseason plan, about how to get better on defense, what they're going to do in West Palm Beach and things like that. So it would seem like he would be the right-hand man for him. And then with Henry Blanco, he'll fill out the rest of the staff. But it just makes a lot of sense that would be guys that he knows very well. The Joe Madding coaching tree, if you will, is not a bad tree to be a part of. So Davey Martinez, I'm sure, has plenty of context throughout baseball of of good coaches, good guys that he can lean on and try to bring in to fill these roles. Uh, Byron, we won't look ahead to uh, Brody's uh, draft prospect just yet, but let's just focus on next year's draft, 2021 draft. The, uh, it was made official this week, earlier this week, that the order will be reverse order like normal from this season standings. That puts the Nationals at 11th overall, just outside the top 10. The Nationals haven't had this high of a draft pick in, in, very, in real, very long, um, especially in the first round. What, how important is this draft pick, especially the way that this season went and ended? Um, and you look back even further uh, to 2018, how that was a disappointing season. And, and we talked about how the farm system is now ranked last in all of baseball. How important is this 11th overall pick coming up for the Nationals next year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be critical. You know, they were number, what, six, I believe. Uh, back in 2011 when they got uh, the opportunity to get um, Anthony Rendon. And that's 10 years since they have picked that high. So uh, they are certainly looking for an opportunity to, to make a big splash at number 11. And then they also have number 40. So that's two picks in the top 40. But as we've spoken about many times during the global pandemic for COVID-19, Mike Rizzo has said this, they haven't been able to scout these guys. There's no Cape Cod Summer League. There's no Team USA workouts. There's no college games. So a lot of these guys, they're going to have to go back on video. They saw when they were juniors or sophomores or freshmen last year, back in 2019. And with the with the Major League Baseball draft, only five rounds as well, you know, the pool is much smaller. You know, you look at a lot of these players, and I talked to a lot of college coaches in the offseason, because the free agency signing bonus is stuck at 20000 after those first five rounds. A lot of guys have said, you know what, I'm going to go back to school and, um, you know, you can draft me, but I may just stay in Division One and try to figure it out for 2022 or something like that, right? So looking at the way it works out for the Nationals, if you look at number 11, still a very good opportunity to get a, a, a big-time player at that spot. And Carlos Calaza, who is the national writer for Baseball America, got a chance to email him back and forth. and He has a great mock draft uh, available on Baseball America. He talks about a couple of outfielders, Ethan Wilson, from South Alabama and Colton Kouser from Sam Houston state. Both those guys are in the range of being mocked nine, 10, 11, 12, something like that. But we know Bobby from the past, the nationals love pitchers. And there's a couple of right-handers, Jaden Hill from LSU and Andrew painter from a high school in Fort Lauderdale. 
And once you see LSU, you know, you think about Cole Henry, you think about Andrew Stevenson, a lot of LSU players, you can, you can kind of sense that the Nationals have excellent scouts that go uh, into the Southeastern Conference and pick guys. I went back and looked at the stats from last year. 28 players from the Southeastern Conference were picked in the 2020 draft, 16 from the ACC. So you know they're going to go in those sections. And it always seems like they've got a great uh, Midwestern scout as well. A lot of guys from Oklahoma and Arkansas and Texas uh, that they've jumped out at and grabbed these last couple of years. So uh, if you see some of those guys in the mock, you can expect the Nationals to kind of look at those. They love the Big 12 Conference as well, looking for guys. So there's going to be plenty of great players available. And at number 11, the Nationals are going to have a good shot to get a good. And you always think that it's going to be a pitcher, right, Bobby? Because that seems to be the way that Mike Rizzo likes to build his team. Yeah, I was just going to say, you would presume it would be a starting pitcher. That's Mike Rizzo's MO. But with you know uh, such a high draft pick, you might not be able to pass on one of the top position players that could be available right there at 11. Byron, I also think it's interesting looking at the reverse order because it was such a shortened season. There are very close records in terms of the top 11. You look at uh, the Red Sox at number four overall. They only won or lost, I should say, two more games than the Nationals. So between the number four overall pick and the 11th pick, there's only two games that separate them. What could have been had the Nationals dropped a game or two, they could have been looking at a possibly a top five, top three pick uh, if the season would have ended a little differently. So very curious as to how, of course, the season ended and, of course, how 2021 will shape up uh, next year. Byron, one more for you. Uh, you are a UVA grad. I'm actually visiting Charlottesville, Virginia this weekend. Any places I should check out in your old stomping grounds? Wow. You put me on the spot here, huh? <laughs> There are a lot of great places in the downtown mall, which is uh, off the grounds, about a couple of miles. That's a great place to uh, a lot of cool um, restaurants and bars in that area and a good place to walk outside. And uh, obviously the corner has the white spot, which was the famous place for the Gus Burger. Go, go by there if you're looking for something to, uh, uh, to, to fill up the stomach. That's, that's a classic place to go to on the corner, which is obviously really close to uh, to the Rotunda area. So, wow, I'm jealous. Have a good time. Thanks. The Gus Burger. I'll, I'll write that down and <laughs> try to give it a go. At Massenker on Twitter, of course, follow him on the blog as well on MassenSports.com. Byron, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate the insight. See you next time. Thanks so much, Bobby. Stay safe.